Greetings, I'm Queen Be Divine, blase, blase. This is the Cure is Conversation, blase, blase. I do hope you are having a great day, blase, blase. Cause this is the Cure is the Conversation, and listen to what we have to say. So sit back and listen to the guest, Blase Blase, as they share their story and insights, Blase Blase. I hope that it will help you find your own light, Blase Blase, because the cure is a conversation, Blase Blase. So sit back. And relax and listen, blase, blase. Greetings, greetings, greetings. I'm Queen Be Divine, and welcome to this special podcast, The Cure is a Conversation. This is a double feature, a bigger ball of light, where I am interviewing two women who are sharing their light into the world by sharing their stories. Charlene and helping women to rise and shine and great. If there's someone who feels like you are lost, alone, and in the dark, and you don't have anyone, please reach out to me. You can message me on Facebook. I will come and sit, probably virtually, but I will sit in the dark with you until you are ready to rise up because I know what it felt like to be alone in the dark for so many years. And that it's okay to ask for help. So even the best trainer and coach worldwide has, has its own mentors and coaches. Yeah. So um, it's pretty okay to ask for help. Remember, you too have the power to bring more light into the world by sharing your story. Blase, blase. By sharing the insights that allowed you to be here in a place that you define as success. So let's get into this wonderful double feature podcast with two empowering women who are shining their light towards a grand future to help you be the best version that you can be. Greetings, greetings, greetings. All right. This, I am Queen Be Divine, and this is a Cure is Conversation, where we have conversations with so many people from around the world, and specifically a conversation about how they got to where they are now, because there's so much anxiety in the world today about how do I get here? Will I get here? And you know what? When we share our stories, we're not only sharing a special part of us, we're sharing our light. People are sharing their light with you so you can see into the future. So let's let's introduce our first guest. And when I mean guest, I you know I was just talking to her just a couple of minutes, not too long, um, about a certain symbolism that she has in her title. And I'm just gonna give you a little sneak peek. Phoenix. When you think of Phoenix, what do you think? Rising from the ashes. And Charlene has is is going to share with her. Share with us, excuse me, the special brand of light that she has to offer. So, like I say, blase, blase, tell your story. So, go ahead, Tony, share, share your story. Hey, well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's an honor to uh, be here with you. 
that opportunity. So, yeah, we kind of have a little bit in common. I, you know, <laughs> just a little bit of chat there. You know, you grew up in Ontario, so did I. We both live in British Columbia, Canada now. So, funny how those things work out. So, um, and you were saying we both didn't necessarily have the best beginning to our life. And that was my beginning as well. Uh, I grew up. Um, with my grandparents. My parents had divorced when I was just three and a half. Um, my dad was a really severe alcoholic, so he tended to get violent. Uh, the violence was usually directed at my half-brothers, but it still affected all of our lives. So when my parents divorced, we went to live with my grandparents, and it should have been a great time. You know, my grandmother was an absolutely amazing woman. I always say she was so far ahead for her time. She believed that women should get good education, make their own money, be independent. And that was different from the time period that she was raised in and that she got married in. And so I had all these positive lessons from my grandmother and all this love and, and nurturing but my grandfather was a pedophile. Mm. So, you know, very quickly after moving in, both my sister, who was four years older than myself, we started experiencing uh, weekly sexual abuse at the hands of my grandfather. And this went on for nine years. And I remember, you know, people after everything comes out, they're like, why didn't you say anything? And I think, you know, when you grow up where you're, you're being bounced around or you don't feel that stable home, you're afraid to say anything. We don't feel like we have a voice. And I remember that that was one of the things I felt as a child. I didn't have a voice. I was terrified if I said anything, I would take it away from my grandma, who was the only anchor I had in this ocean that I was adrift in. So when it finally came out, my sister actually had a nervous breakdown because she was actually fearing that she was going to get pregnant. And everything came out, and we go to social services, and one of my, you know, core memories is, is sitting there at the age of 12 in this office with a social worker and her telling me that, don't worry, Charlene, everything's going to be okay. And I remember thinking to myself, even at 12, well, what is that supposed to mean? Because I had no idea what okay was supposed to be. Right. Because I, you know, didn't know if okay was we were going to, I was going to stay with my grandmother, whether we were going to be homeless, what, we were, what was going to happen. And she just, you know, patted me on the back and out we went. And this was early 80s when this came out. So therapy and counseling was not a major focus back in those days. And my grandmother being old school kind of just was like, let's just put her head down, do the work and get through life. And so that's what I did. But you can only bury things for so long. And very early on, once I got into high school, I started really suffering from mental illness. I started cutting as a coping mechanism of dealing with all these uh, trauma and PTSD, which I didn't know was a thing back then. Right. But all these buried emotions that I've been trying to keep down just kept bubbling to the surface. And I started drinking heavily, smoking a lot of marijuana in school. Anything I could do to numb the emotional pain was what I was doing. And then I found writing, and it kind of became a different outlet. And I always say I was either pouring blood out through cutting or I was pouring ink out onto 
to pages. That was one of those two coping mechanisms. But when I was writing, of course, I was talking about abuse and trauma and all these emotions that I had. And it caused a bit of concern from my English teacher who sent me off to see the school psychologist. Mm. And again, I remember spending an afternoon talking to this you know, school psychologist and doing all these quizzes and tests and all these things to try to determine what was wrong with me right. in my mind. And at the end of it, she says, okay, Charlene, I want you to know I'm diagnosing you with uh, as being bipolar manic depressive. Oh. And this is three and a half hours of testing. She came up with this. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, God bless and her. Like, okay. <laughs> and of course, you know, we don't have Google back then. No. I can't, I don't know what these terms mean. To me, no. it just means I'm crazy on top of all the other stigma that I felt I already carried. Right. And Again, here this woman sat across the desk and said, but I want you to know you're going to be okay. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, now I'm getting angry because here I've got another adult ah. telling me that I'm going to be okay. Hmm. What does that mean? Because I don't feel okay. I feel like I'm barely hanging on. Hmm. And she, you know, if you need to talk, come see us, book an appointment, you know, we're here for you. Well, the last thing I want to do is talk. Right. Because I had lived, you know, this life where we kept this quiet. We didn't talk. I still didn't feel like I had my voice. So all I did was put my grandmother talking to do. I put my head down. I got through high school. You know, I kind of started hiding my writing. I was not turning in the, the stuff that was the, the real me. And I got through high school and I moved. All I could think about was moving away so that I could get away from where I grew up. Somewhere where no one would know me. And I look at it, this was the beginning of my geographical coping mechanism that I had. And I love that term, geographical coping mechanism. That is... And it's like, when you think about it, we do it so often. You know, I looked at my mom and moved across the country. So that had been her coping mechanism. Right, wow. And here I was, repeating it in just a smaller degree. Wow. So I moved away, and I thought life was going to be great. And, of course... It wasn't because I still was just carrying that baggage of all the trauma I had endured with me. And the longer you carry it, and it didn't matter how many places I moved, that baggage just kept getting heavier and heavier and heavier, which it does until you are forced to deal with it. Yes. So I reached a point again where I'm, you know, I had moved away with my high school sweetheart. Um, we decided to start having a family. I was 21 um, when I had my first daughter. Uh, four years later, I had my second daughter. Two years after that, I had my son. And I think a part of me felt that with every child, it was going to fix a part of me. It was going to fill that void, that hole that I felt I had. And I wanted so desperately to be the mom that I had never had growing up. I wanted to break that cycle of generational trauma. But all I was doing was really repeating it because, again, I had the coping skills to, to fix it. So I was drinking heavily. Um, I was working at bars at the time. Um, so I wasn't being the mom that I wanted to be. My marriage was slowly falling apart. And I remember being 28 going, I'm planning on taking my life. And I'm thinking about my kids coming home and finding me hanging off the railing in my house because that was what my plan was. And I thought, I can't be here I'm not fit to be a mom. Mm. 
and I sat down with my husband and said, I need to go until I can get myself together. Wow. And I left the house. And all it did was instead of putting me in a position where I was prepared to do the work, it just sent me down into a further spiral because now I felt like the circle was complete, that I had just done what my parents did to yeah, me. I just yeah. walked away from my kids, which was the last thing I wanted to do. And so a month after I'm separated from my husband, what do I do? I jump into another relationship because I so desperately want to be loved because <laughs> that's all I want. I want someone to love me and to say I'm worthy. And when they say like attracts like, they're <laughs> so correct because what I found was a man who was also an alcoholic. He was a drug addict. He had suffered his own childhood trauma. And I learned very quickly in the relationship that he was also violent. Right. So I started experiencing domestic violence in the relationship. And to me, it felt like that was what I deserved. It seemed justified because of the guilt that I, I bore and the shame that I had over leaving my kids. I felt like this was the universe's way of saying, this is what you get for doing what you did. Right. And this went on for a couple of years, um, and then I had a failed overdose attempt. Oh, gee. Mm-hmm. And um, I had we had actually had a, a violent altercation in the apartment. He left, and I made the decision that I was I no longer could handle the life that I was living. Um, went in and took all the pills in my house, and sat down to write goodbye letters to my kids, and. As I was sitting there, tears streaming down my face, feeling like I'm saying goodbye to my kids, I said, I can't do this. Like, this is the ultimate leaving them, and I can't do it any more than I already have. So I jumped in a cab, and I made it to the hospital, and was at the admissions desk when I collapsed. Mm. And when I woke up, here I was in this hospital bed, tubes down my throat, and my my partner sitting there in, you know, a chair beside me, crying about how sorry he was about what had happened. Um, the next day I get out and my mom calls me and says, Hey, I think you need a change. I think you need to move across the country and we'll help you get on your feet. And I was like, wait a minute. What a fantastic idea. We're just going to move across the country and everything's going to be better. No, no, it doesn't work that way. So I moved across the country and six months later, the part, the gentleman I've been in the relationship with followed me out to British Columbia Shoot. and said, I missed you. I've changed. I want to make this work. And like the desperate little child I was wanting that, that love and affection, I said, oh, okay, great. And that started another 10 years of a domestic abuse relationship. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until 2014 that he came home July 1st and said, I'm moving out. I'm moving in with someone else. And I was completely devastated. Right. But I had started down the path of doing some work. Right. So I thought, okay, this is meant to be. Like, this is it. It's time to get our life together. Start working on us. Mm. So he moved out. And I was about two, two and a half months into that process. Right. And he called me on a Tuesday and said, hey, I really want to talk to you. And I was like, no, I can't. Um, if I see you, I'm going to go right back to square one. Right. I'm just starting to, yeah. to you know, get on with my life. You've got on with yours. 
let me have that. Right. And he said, okay, I just want you to know I'm sorry for how things ended. And I remember saying, you know what? Things end the way they're always supposed to end. Hmm. And that was the con- that was the conversation. Two days later, a police officer showed up at my place of work and informed me that he had committed suicide. And I was devastated. Right. Um, I had to go tell my children who he had basically raised for 13 and a half years as their stepdad that he was gone. Right. And I was trying to cope with the loss myself. And, you know, it's funny that as toxic as the relationship was, and as violent and how poorly I was treated, I still mourned that relationship. Mm, of course. And so I tried to just, you know, pull myself together and keep going. And I'm, you know, I always say if I have one regret during that time, and I, you know, I've talked to my kids about that, it's that I was so engulfed in my own grief that I wasn't able to see the grief that my children were experiencing. Mm. I couldn't see outside mm. of my own bubble, which is sometimes we get so caught up in our own yes. that we can't see beyond it. And I was just trying to, you know, keep this persona of being okay because I had been doing that for so long. My entire life I had tried to maintain this persona yes. that I was okay when I was falling apart inside. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was probably another year or so that I just kept trying and trying and trying until I had, you know, a kind of a breakdown where I knew I was back to being suicidal again. And I started seeing a psychiatrist and I thought, okay, now this is it. If I don't mm-hmm. get help, this is not going to, I can't do it on my own. Right. And so I went to a couple of psychiatrist appointments and, you know, I'm the type who just tell me what to do. I like hard work. Right. I will do the work, but right. I need you to tell me what to do. Yes. And I remember saying to her after both the second and third appointment, look, I don't want to talk about my past. I know why I'm screwed up. I just need you to tell me what I can do to fix it. Right. Like, what did you do to deal with your mental health issues? And I remember watching as her eyes kind of glazed over and she said, well, Charlene, I've never experienced mental health struggles myself. Oh, okay. And I was kind of like, then how can you sit here and tell me you understand how I feel? Three hours of my life telling me that you understand when you don't understand. Because if you've not gone through it, you can't you can't understand it. No. I always say, if you have never sat in that dark, you don't know how dark it is. You don't know. Oh, girl, you echo that sentiment. So it's very true. And, you know, I, I love your story because there's so many similarities um, with mine, um, minus the three children. Um, but, you know, when you mentioned voice, um, I remember when I left my childhood home and I spoke out about the abuse and the social workers showed up and they said, yeah, everything's going to be okay. I remember thinking, um, my voice is the, is the worst thing on this planet. It ruined everything. It ruined my life. And I was so angry at this voice. And I've always wanted to be a singer, a speaker, everything. So I was like, I guess, you know, even at 11, like I love you. You said, even at 12, I knew that this is not going to be okay. This is not going to be okay. So, you know, when when you mention all these, you know, challenges and just things that kept just, uh, just, uh, it's just like this, 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 
darkness. I completely understand you. And there's a lot of people right now who think they're not worthy because of their past, because they have gone through it, because only bad people, bad things only happen to bad people, right? And that's a narrative we should change. <laughs> so, so, so here you are now. The 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 the, the stepfather, of the ex that you have dated, has has killed himself, committed suicide. And where are you now? So you're talking to a um, psychiatrist and she's like, oh, well, I, have no, I haven't felt anything like that, but I'm sure I can help you. What are you thinking right now? Where are you, where are you at in your mental state right now? Excitedly, 
know, I can hear them talking about vision boards and setting goals <laughs> as I'm walking to my seat. I probably am like, love it. aware of everything. Right, 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 right. And I'm thinking, oh my Lord, I'm just working on getting through two days so I can end my life. And here's these guys planning on what they're going to do in six months, 12 months, you know. And I sat down in my seat. I just kind of tried to put my head down and go, okay, we can get through this. We can do this. Right. The first, the first half of the day, nothing, no connection. People were talking about finances. Well, that didn't apply to me. Uh, physical fitness, health and wellness. Yeah, that didn't matter to me anymore. And then the afternoon session comes and a woman takes the stage and she's bald. Hmm. She has alopecia, so she's lost all her hair. Right. She starts sharing her story about her childhood struggles of not loving herself, not feeling worthy because she didn't fit the criteria that society had set on what beauty is supposed to be, right. and how she struggled mentally, emotionally. Uh, she turned to alcohol and drugs as coping mechanisms and became suicidal. And how everything changed for her in her life the moment she embraced her self-love concept that she needed to not rely on all these outside forces to define her worth, but she could define her worth. Yeah. That if she could love herself, that that was going to be enough. Mm. And she shared how her life changed and transformed the moment she started that. And here she was sharing her story to everybody else. And I'm kind of sitting in my seat and I can hear this little voice in my head that says, well, what about you? And I, you know, I remember thinking, yeah, like how different could my life have been had I learned to love myself Ooh. instead of relying on everybody else. Right, right. And I sloughed it off rather quickly because, you know, my mind was already made up. And then the next speaker takes the stage. And this is a teacher who started speaking about her 20 years struggle with mental health and suicidal ideologies and how, you know, for so long she had kept this mask on, you know, because she's in this profession where she's caring for everybody else and how she struggled to feel uh, like how many worth and how she struggled in the mm -hmm. darkness. Right. And it, for her, the change came when she accepted instead of trying to fight her mental illness and say, okay, you know, it's not a part of me. She, she actually accepted it. Right. And what she said was she pulled the darkness in instead of trying to keep it at bay. Right. She pulled it in because then it allowed the light that was within her to shine into the darkness. I love how that was said because that's, that's, you know, a lot of people, you know, and I love how you say that, you know, she, she pulled it in opposed to fighting it. Because I always say, if you fight with something, it's going to fight back. <laughs> it's going to fight back. So I've, you know, I, I love that sentiment because I, I feel that journey. I feel that woman's, I feel every woman's journey that you've spoken about so far. And I remember that the turning point was for me was to say, um, I had to look in my in the mirror and just tell myself, I love you. I love you. I love, and just do it over and over, no matter how, if I could spend time eating food to make me healthy, why can't I talk about how much I love myself to make my mind healthy? So I completely understand where you're coming from. And, and it, it's in, in, at what point did you, did you identify with her? Is that when the, the turning point came for you or was there? There was one more speaker. Right. But 
I, but I remember sitting there and again, when she's done and she comes off stage, I'm, I'm having that moment again where I can hear that voice saying, well, what about you? Right. And I'm thinking, yeah, like how different could my life have been had I learned to live with my mental illness instead right. of trying to fight right. it. You know, if I loved myself, I learned to accept that part of me, how different could it be? And again, I'm just, you know, shushing these thoughts away. Right. And the last speaker comes up, and it's actually a gentleman. Hmm. And he starts talking about um, his struggles with mental health, how he had lost his marriage, lost custody of his children, hmm. um, became an alcoholic, uh, got an addiction to pain medication. Now he had spent a year trying to find that perfect mix of pain medication and alcohol so that he could commit suicide but make it look like an accidental overdose. Wow. Um, because he knew if he committed suicide, his children would get the life insurance policy <laughs> and he wanted to provide wanted to provide financially. Right, right. And how his ex-wife one evening asked if he could take the kids overnight. That never happened. He, of course, said yes. And it was on that night that he found that mix of pain medication and alcohol. Right. Um, took, was overdosing on his couch. Right. And heard this little voice that said, no, not like this. You know, there's more. Right. He got to the phone and his life changed in that moment. Oh, wow. He got help. He got saved. And now here he was sharing his story as well. And hopes that someone could relate. Right. And when he finished talking, I remember looking around the room as if I expected there to be a hidden camera. Because I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, what is going on here right now? Like, what are the chances that I came to an event that I didn't want to be at? And I have just heard three stories that completely relate to my life. And what if I could learn to love myself? I can, you know, accept what I've gone through mm -hmm. and accept where I'm at. Yes. But I can also take responsibility, take self-responsibility to change my life. What if mm -hmm. this is the moment? Right. And I decided in that seat at that moment that I wanted to live. Right. That I had a story that I could share that could possibly help other people who are feeling the same way that I was in that moment. Right. And I felt for the first time, like you were saying, I felt like that little girl in that moment found her voice. Yeah, I love that. I love that. You know, um, it, it, a lot of people don't understand, uh, you know, don't see the light when it comes to when it comes to childhood. Everything you need in childhood or your life is there in childhood. It's already there. It's all there. But trauma challenges hide these things. They, they, they just, they just bury them. And then as a child, no one tells you that they can return with self-love. It can all return with self-love. Now this journey takes a long time, time, a long time. I don't know, years, decades for some. And, you know, as I'm watching you, I can see you speaking and there's this Phoenix in the background. <laughs> Just, you know, you spiritually, um, you know, it just, just right behind you in the last couple of minutes. Cause we, time goes by so fast when you're in, when you're having a great conversation, what does the Phoenix mean to you and where can people get more of what you've got? So you, you know, more of your insights, please. I think sometimes we feel, um, whether it's beaten down or burned to the ground and we think that that's it. 
but we have to understand that everything that we need in life right. is within us. Yeah. We are constantly looking outside. What everything you need is within you. That self-love, that self-acceptance, that self-responsibility, which is the hard part sometimes for people to to take. Yes. You know, I could blame many people for the things I went through in my life, but the, the the fact of the matter was where I was at in that moment was based on choices I had made. I love that. I love that. I love that. And, I love that. and as the empowering thing about that, though, is that you can go, but now I have the power to make different decisions. I, I can that. choose to make, you know, to take myself <laughs> somewhere else. I love it. And so that's what I did. I actually, you know, started making huge changes in my life. Like the whole next year of my life was such a drastic change. Um, I started speaking. I actually went back the very next year and spoke at that same event oh, that had yeah. saved my life because I wanted to pay it forward. Awesome. And I remember, as I always say, is that the purpose of me sharing my story is always to just reach one person. If I can save one life by sharing my story, then everything I have experienced has been worth it. That is, that's a, that's the Phoenix mentality. That is rising from the ashes. Um, and a lot of people, I love how you've come, you know, come to that, 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 that circle and saying, my, this is why I went through it. For one of the reasons, I can't say for all the reasons because I'm not the cosmic creator, but for sharing your story, that's definitely part of, of you being here now is to wake up those who believe they're not worthy enough. They're not, they're not loved enough and, and not realizing that the love must start within. It must start within. So I, I'm, you know, I hold a, uh, every Wednesday, I want the first Wednesday of every month, I hold women wisdom Wednesdays. And I, you know, I, I love the fact that, you know, you share your wisdom. So we have to get connected and talk because I would love to have you, um, be a guest on that. I, I do two things. I do so many things because I really want to share my life. So before we go, tell people where they can connect with you and where they can get more of what you have. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Charlene Madden Speaker. Um, you can follow me. I started my own workshop as a way of paying it forward and then bringing more stories and more voices to help. Um, that's Ignite Your Life BC right. is what it's called, and that's on Facebook. And um, you can connect with me on my website, www.charlenemaddenspeaker.com. Nice. So. You know, I, th- I want to say thank you. And, and you know, it's... It- we definitely don't have enough time to really get deep into it. So that's why I really want, I, I, I'm hoping that we can connect on the other side of this so we can share that light because you have such a beautiful story. And just when you, you know, when people think that it's out, no, that's when you rise. That's when the fire starts burning. And that's a message I would love to bring to even a bigger audience in, in, in co-creating with you. So the cure audience these are the stories that compel you to get up every day, to make changes in your own life, and to realize that self-love is the true love. It's the original love. And that's one love, right? So if you like what you've heard, don't forget to check out the description box below because we have well, there'll be a slew of information where you can connect and you can find more of this beautiful story that she shared. So before we go, I'm Queen Be Divine, and remember, 
If you're looking for love outside yourself, you've gone way too far. Start within and then let it ripple out into the world. And is there anything else you'd like to add before we go? Because, you know, I want people to make sure, you know, a, a lasting a lasting thought, Charlene. Is there anything you want to say to our audience before we go? Absolutely. I always love to end my podcast with a message that if you're someone who feels like you are lost, alone, and in the dark, and you don't have anyone, please reach out to me. You can message me on Facebook. I will come and sit, probably virtually, but I will Aww. sit in the dark with you until you are ready to rise up because I know what it felt like to be alone in the dark for so many years. And my purpose in life is that no one else has to be alone in that dark place. So please reach out if you need support, you need help. Uh, I would love to connect with you. And Pause for the cause. A Queen the Divine original called Marshall. C-A-L-M Marshall. A calming moment where you can sit back and reflect at the information that you just heard. And also the three P's. Pen, pencil, and paper. So you can jot down what vibrates with your inner core. Also, please be aware of your surroundings. Because mental health means to always be aware of the beauty that surrounds you. Also, this is a great time to grab a beverage, water, juice, so we can keep the positive flow of vibration going throughout your body. Thank you for listening to this Queen Be Divine original commercial, a moment in the podcast to just take a deep breath and reset. So let's get back into The Cure is the Conversation. Unpause for the call. Thank you for listening to this very special double feature podcast. Celebrating women, celebrating energy, celebrating resilience, and celebrating sharing our story, our life, to the world. So let's continue with The Cure is Conversation. Greetings, greetings on Queen Bee Divine. And today, The Cure is Conversation. We have another special guest, you know, because this podcast, it's all about getting anyone who lives the everyday life, who has come from a journey and has overcome whatever issues they needed to come on the other side so they can shine your light and share it with you. And that's the premise of The Cure is a Conversation, bringing the conversation back to a place where we can talk about different alternative healings, how different people have healed in the world, and they share it with you because it's about conversation. And when we normalize that people have bad days, and we have good days and we have hard days where we, we just want to crumble and get into the corner and cry and it's okay. But the secret is to get back up. So these are the guests that I have brought here for you to listen to and learn and gr- get some insight in becoming the best version of you. And today, Queen Be Divine 
is sharing the stage with Andrea. And Andrea is going to blase, blase, which means tell her story. So greetings, Andrea. How are you? Thank you very much for inviting me. So I'm located here in Austria and I'm doing beautiful advice today. Ooh, I love it. I love it. I love it. So what I like to start out is, is that I normally tell or ask each guest, what does the day in the life of Andrea look like? When you get up in the morning and you got to start doing your thing, what does an average day look like to you every day? Tell our audience, please. So first of all, I, I plan my day and then I stick to the agenda until I've reached every position I've brought on. And in between, I celebrate each step and um, sometimes I even plan some free time for me, which is then also a task which I have to accomplish. Mm, and so do you make a list of these things or is this just something you keep in your head? Like, I have a list of things or do you write it down? Yes, I'm very old school, so I'm writing it everything down on a paper. <laughs> isn't, isn't that funny? That old school means writing things down. I remember those days, pen and paper. What is a pen? What is paper? <laughs> That's so old school. That's so funny. So, Andrea, in, in terms of mental health, what is it that you do and how do you help um how do you help your clients? Tell us what you do to shine some light in the world that we we greatly need today. Yes, so I pick up the clients where they are and lead them to the desired outcome they want to reach. Um, mostly um we work on emotions, on belief clearing and to put the resources right to to plan the steps to be performed uh i take them uh, through the process and uh, it's uh, an honor of uh, being in a position of doing so mm. and you know thank you for sharing that um so what is the title that you give yourself when you talk to your clients what do you say that you do how so our audience can understand what is it that you do what's your title Yes, my title is Psychological Counselor, and um, I'm using NLP techniques and hypnosis sometimes as well. Wow, that's that's okay. Okay, so, you know, what I love to know, because what, what I love doing, I love to talk. I love to host and get people to facilitate good communication. And I knew this when I was really young that I wanted to do that. Even though I didn't talk a lot when I was a youth, I was very kind of shy. But once I started talking, I couldn't shut up. No one could shut me up. <laughs> so how did you get to the place of being a, um, 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 a therapist in that, in, that, in that genre that you are? How did you get there? Did, was there a light bulb moment that said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life? How did you get there? So as I was working in the field of economics in export and we had a leader who uh, didn't own uh, its position, uh, so it came to a lot of miscommunication. Um, uh, the community was not working straight to, uh, towards a goal, but almost the parts are fighting like against that. It was not a nice place to be, mm -hmm. and uh, so as I saw moral 
want to quit because I like my job. Uh, so I was um, trying uh, in coaching um, to see if I change my insight, if the, here something can be resolved. And when I saw what everything is possible in coaching, um, so um, I decided, uh, I knew uh, that I, it was not a decision, so I knew, right. I felt that's my arena. So, and um, at this time, so when I uh, was going to work or home, and I was sitting in a train, and I saw people drained like this in the train, or motivated like this, and also, um, I became aware that a few, uh, not all, or not all people know which potential lies within them that mm. they can find their happiness, mm. uh, their power, uh, to be clear in mind, uh, not to over worry everything too much. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a matter of awareness because if the pain is not strong enough or we are not aware of, we mostly will not. Uh, search for, for some help and right. it's okay to ask for help right. you know i you know i love how you said that because you you most people think that sometimes their purpose falls on them but from the sounds of it is that you realize that there was a gap and you needed to fill it you noticed people were sad you noticed people weren't bubbly they weren't responding as humans should Right. So you saw something and something within you said, that's something I want to um, I want to follow through on that. And I want to help people. So in the, the listening audience, if you you know, when you're thinking about what is my purpose, what do I have to do? Know that you don't necessarily have to go searching for it. Sometimes it just lands in front of you and it takes us to be aware of our surroundings to say, hey, there's a spot for me to fill and I have the expertise to help, right? So I love how you say that because a lot of people these days are stressed about what are they going to be? How am I going to find my purpose? How am I going to find a job? And I love how you said that you just noticed, you were aware, you were observant and you noticed that people needed something and you had something to offer. And that's empowering because you knew that you have the capability to help another. And that's that's what I love about these talks, because it's empowering to know that most people out there, if you're searching, you don't have to look too far. Trust your insides. Trust that the universe will lead you to your path if you become aware. So that is one of those techniques that a lot of people don't notice that. I, I have it inside of me to find out my journey. So in, in your, in, in your life, um, and, and the path that you are, you, you were on, did your childhood play a big part of, of becoming who you are? Was your childhood, um, difficult? Was it, um, or challenging, so to speak? Or did you have a very, I don't want to say normal because I don't know what normal means, but did you have a healthy childhood? Yes, I had uh, 
not a difficult childhood, so I'm grateful for that. But anyway, I believe that the childhood is impacting um, uh, everybody to a certain degree. So um, even what we heard, observed, uh, what uh, the teachers have told to us, so it's impacting us uh, anyway in a certain degree. Although we may have the best childhood, uh, it there may something be which uh, anyway is impacting us still. You know, I, you know, exactly. It, it, it doesn't, you know, and let me, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, what I hear you saying is that regardless of your childhood, whether it was healthy or toxic, um, we all have issues that we need to overcome. Am I correct? Uh, so for me, learning is a lifetime process. Right. So we we learn on a daily basis and uh, we get better and grow on a daily basis. So uh, it's it's uh, it's not a thing which we accomplished in a childhood right. or at a certain day. I believe it's it's a constant, never ending process. Mm, you know, and, and I I I completely agree with you. Um, I had a toxic childhood. <laughs> I was toxic and it was a lot of work to do uh, a lot of work to clear up all the trauma and all the, the, the recordings and negative thoughts. Um, and I, the difficulty I had was letting go of all the pain where, what do you find most, what do you find that is, that's, that's, that's throughout all your clients. What do you find is the hardest thing for them to move forward from? Is it the pain? Is it letting go? Is it the future they're afraid of? What do you find that 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 most of your clients are like? Oh, too much! I, I don't know if I can do this. Yes, oftentimes it's a deep seated uh, fear mm -hmm. which is preventing them, or um, yes, mostly fear. Wow, and fear is one of the hardest things to. Um, move from because it's not real yet, right? Because it hasn't happened. <laughs> and you're living in that space that, oh my God, it might happen. So when we, when you talk to your clients of about fear and you're trying to help them move forward into a bright future, are, is there a, a technique you can share with our audience, the cure, the cure conversation audience that could help them, um, at least get, get their feet wet? <laughs> Uh, when it comes to moving through fear? So our mind is searching for things which could go wrong, right? Um, and to have a look on um, if uh, how, how real or how much fantasy is it. Uh, um, so sometimes so there, we could really be faced in a dangerous situation where it is uh, necessary for us to be careful. But uh, a lot of times uh, there are fears uh, which are not even explainable with logic and uh, understanding or knowledge. So of such kind of fears right. we can let go and uh, we can empower ourselves to bring us into a, a, a powerful state right. by recalling uh, some positive past experiences oh. and then asking our questions so what could happen the worst let's say <laughs> and uh, am I willing to pay the price uh, 
Right. Uh, and I just go and so uh, I'm, um, I like to say that uh, real warrior, which is powerful, acts in spite of fear. So everybody is experiencing fear to a certain degree, but uh, will I uh, keep myself blocking from the fear, or will I uh, go through it, feel it, and act anyway? Mm, you know, yeah, do it, yeah, do it. And no, you know, somebody used to say to my gym teacher because I was so nervous doing certain, you know, um, um, depending on the class, we would do some activities, and I would knew and be nervous, and I remember and fearful, and I remember my teacher said, "Do it anyway, just do it, just do your best," because what's the worst that can happen? And that's a great piece of advice for the audience. So if you're in a fearful situation, Andrea. I love how she says it. You know, it, it's it hasn't happened yet. It's an imagination, um, but for some people, it's real. So, as she takes on her clients and she walks you through fear, she suggests do it, do it. It's okay. You know, that's why we get the help from people. And if you can't do it alone, you reach out and talk to someone. Reach out and say, "I'm afraid." Because do you find that the most difficult thing for people that they're just afraid to ask for help? Yes, a lot of people are even not asking for help. Either they, are, they think they are not allowed or mm -hmm. they feel ashamed. Uh, some people feel ashamed by asking. Uh, maybe some ones were told when they were children that they should not ask for help or something mm -hmm. like that. But to know that it is okay to ask for help. So even the best trainer and coach worldwide have, has its own mentors and coaches. Yes. So um, it's pretty okay to ask for help. So we don't need to do everything by our own. Mm. You know, it's funny when you say that. And thank you again for sharing that. A lot of people, even though it seems simple, um, you don't have to do everything on your own. You know, I don't know where humans got this idea where we have to struggle and fight and keep everything inside. And, 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 and you know, and I grew up like that um, because my family wasn't very communicative. You know, you didn't you didn't say, hey, I need help. You just sucked it up. You didn't cry and you got to be strong. But I, I was very blessed to grow up in. Do you know what group homes are? Group home, group homes are when children leave home or run away from home. I ran away from home when I was 11, my childhood home. And then the government takes you in and they raise you in a home. Right. So while I was in the group homes, I was taught tools to, to live so I could remove the sphere. And one of them that, you know, you speak about is to, to do it, do it anyway. If you're afraid, try it anyway. You know, be safe, of course, you know. I'm not saying jump off a cliff. <laughs> do it afraid, but be safe. So, you know, a lot of people don't understand that we don't have to do things alone. And fear is not real. Yes, it's, you look at something and say, oh, I'm afraid that it will come back. But you know what I realize? You might agree with, you. you may agree with this too. Fear is the remembrance of a bad issue happening prior. Is that correct? Like, it's a memory you're dealing with. Um, yes, it's a memory of which our brain collects from the past and is projecting into the future. Mm, you see, and I, I, had I had a huge problem with that because when you have a lot of trauma in your life, because um, I have been through, you've been homeless, sexual molested, raped, um, 
uh, and just uh, separated from my family um, and trying to, as I, as I grew up trying to find myself, I tell you, it, the memories of all the negative stuff really got in front of me. So I had to create positive memories so I can hold on to that instead of going back into negativity. And I'm suing, do you help your clients create better memories so they could have a foundation to start moving forward to? Is that something you tell them? Yes, that's very, very essential because um, there are ups and downs in life and it's uh, quite a normal cycle, I would say. And if we face ourselves, especially in such a dark, dark place, it's, a, it's essential to have such positive memories which uh, can bring us up uh, back again. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, a social network is, is uh, very helpful. But to rely on it, we first have to monitor it, monitor it to see who is really supporting me and who is uh, draining me. And uh, to know this uh, before by uh, uh, having some time and uh, figuring it out. And um, then we know to whom we may go and ask for help. Right. You know, um, sometimes there are people um, to avoid this. Uh, uh, if uh, we think that a person will help us because he's, he or she seems very nice to us, right. so but uh, but uh, the proof in, in the past showed that they spoke uh, nice words but were not here for us when we needed them. So chances are good that we don't need to contact them when we are I, you know what? That's a that's a great tip. So let's. I gotta say that again. That <laughs> that's great. So people will give you positive words and say, "Great, great, great." But when you're in it and you're really feeling, they're not there. And we should take that as a hint going forward that when we feel this way again, if we are, don't turn to them because they won't be there for you when you need them. Right. Most likely. Most likely. And that's, that is, that's a, that's a very good tip because, you know, I find a lot of people, you know, um, depending people pleasing and all that stuff, they're like, okay, I, I'm here. And when you need them, they're not. And we get stuck in a cycle and we think it's us, but it's not us. We just have to make better choices to finding people who can support us in the time that we are feeling low, so to speak, or not as ourselves. Right. Yes, and that's a great exercise for an, uh, an evening, for example, right. to just show back uh, how was the day, um, who was supportive to me, right. who wasn't. Where are the naysayers? Where are these who are holding me back from going and reaching my goals? Um, what have I done good? How were I acting and behaving? How were I thinking, feeling? And uh, the more we uh, monitor over it and think over it, the clearer we become. And uh, when we need some uh, decision to make or some help, we are clear about where to go, how to think, how to act, uh, and whom to ask for help, especially.
You know, that's, that's a very, very, very good point because most times when we're, we're, and I speak for myself, if I'm feeling down or not myself, it is very important that I use, I, I use the tools correctly. So I need to know who is there to support me. Uh, you know, I don't need people judging me. And a lot of people go to the incorrect people, which makes them feel worse. Right. <laughs> so the cycle continues. So our listening audience, take that tip from Andrea that you, um, you, when you feel bad, that's, that's fine. That's okay. Um, make sure you ask for help and know who's around you, who is truly there to support you and not to judge you and go tell your business to everybody else. You need some real support. Now imagine a table. If a table didn't have the proper support, it would fall down. It would break. And so we want to make sure we elevate each other and you're getting this, the great support. That's, that's a great, um, um, that's great information because a lot of people think the simple things don't matter, right? And those are the simple things. People who surround you, having faith in yourself and knowing that fear is usually a recording from the past that wants to make itself known in the now, right? So we have to be diligent in, in, in finding where that starts and where, and to make sure we don't bring it forward. Oh, thank you so much, Andrew. You know, like if you're listening right now, thank you for listening. And this is the cure is conversation. Blase, blase means tell your story. And Andrea here is telling her story and she is from Uncorrect Austria. Is that correct? Yes, correct. Austria. My goodness. Are there a lot of services in Austria for the mental health um, industry? Are there a lot of services or it's, or, or it's, sorry, or is it that you have to, um, um, is there a lot of support in Austria for mental health? That's what I want to say. Yes, the support is here, right. but a lot of people are not aware that they, this service is called help them. Ah, okay. I see what, I see what you're saying. Um, so how do you find your clients? So do they come to you or, um, or do you, do they get recommended? Do you know what I mean? Do you find them over social media? Because COVID has really done a number of us. So people don't know where to reach out and grab each other. You know what I'm saying? So how do you find your clients? But before COVID, right. uh, we, uh, in, in, in the coaching industry, will never recognize uh, a Zoom option as, as possible. I know. Isn't that great? <laughs> But I'm a strong believer that everyone will get the customers which they uh, match to them and they can help them. So, um, that you know, that's so we attract the right customers. So, I'm, I'm believing in that. I, I um, love that because that's that's what it's all about. Just like how I, I, I the energy of I want to talk to people and I attracted you. So, before in our, in our in our last few minutes, tell people where they can find you on social media because someone's out saying, I someone out there right now in the listening audience is saying, I love Andrea, she's amazing, I need to talk to her. Where can they find you so they can connect with you on a later date? <laughs> so on social media, uh, I can be found um, on Facebook and on Instagram. And if someone wants to connect with me personally, it's possible to write me an email um, uh, under Andrea 
You see, that's beautiful. And that's that I love. Let's let's take that note on a positive and I will respond. So when you ask for help, Andrea will respond. She will do her best within the uh, time. I'm not going to make her promise anything because life happens. But with you give her an email, she will respond. And that's how we help each other by responding when someone calls for help. Like when a baby is crying, we don't leave the baby there. And I'm not assuming saying that anybody is a baby, but this is just a um, an example. When a baby cries, we go to it because we know this baby requires. And that's what we should respond to each other. So when we hear a cry from help for another human being, there is help out there. Do not be afraid to ask for help because your mental health is super important because without a proper mindset, everything is mush. <laughs> it's so, it's hard. So when we can use these tools and help and help each other, am I my brother's or sister's keeper? Yeah, we're here to help and shine our light. So Andrea, I want to say thank you for being here on our show. It was a quick, oh my gosh, it was a quick, that's how you know you're having a good time when the time just flies by. So I want to say thank you. And are there any parting words you want to say to our audience before we leave and sign out? Yes. So uh, be your best observer. Now know how you're acting, feeling. And if you feel you need help, go out and find a coach you like and you trust and work it out and shine your light. Ooh, shine your light. This is a light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Make sure you shine your light out there. Blase, blase means tell your story because your story matters. So, um, please, if you resonate with Andrea, all the information will be in the description box below. You can check her out on her many other links. And don't be afraid to ask for help. If you take anything away from this podcast today, it is a reminder that you are not alone in the world and there is help if you need it. If you have the courage to ask, I suggest you do. And if you don't, find some support um, in your community that will give you that courage to reach out to someone to help. So thank you again and one love. <laughs> We're out. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Andrea. Uh, You're listening to the Curious Conversation. Queen be divine and Charlene M. Helping women to rise and shine and embrace their inner feelings. And that's the truth. So you've heard it here. If you are thinking of of ending your life um, in the dark. You need some companionship or friendship. There are plenty of people in the world if you just reach out and Charlene is one of them. So connect with her in the details and we will talk further. And remember, you are love and it starts with you. I'm Queen Be Divine and this is The Curious of Conversation. Greetings, I'm Queen Be Divine, blase, blase. This is the cure is conversation, blase, blase. I do hope you are having a great day, blase, blase. Cause this is the cure is the conversation. And listen to what 
we have to say. So sit back and listen to the guest, Blase Blase, as they share their story and insights, Blase Blase. I hope that it will help you find your own light, Blase Blase, cause a cure is a conversation, Blase Blase. So sit back and relax and listen, blase, blase.